How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Soapstone. My name is Jake, and I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Dave. How's it going today, Dave? Uh, it's going so far so good. Nice. I uh, slept in, apparently. Ooh, that's rare for you. It It is. I think it's because I woke up in the middle of the night, and I was like kind of tossing, turning a little bit, and kind of in that... My body is functionally off, but my brain is awake, just kind of like laying in bed. Mm. I don't know how long for that was, but that was probably somewhere around 5 a.m. Right. And then when I kind of like rustled again in bed, I'm like, oh, let me check my phone. It's like 10.30. I was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I well, I hope that your your sleeping habits get, you know, a little bit better. You're not, uh, not disturbed. You can sleep and, and rest and wake up early. I wouldn't. I wouldn't personally wish waking up early on myself, though, because that's not. It's uh, not the way I live. So you also or, woke up after ten thirty. No, you, actually, you said as a leading question, knowing that that's not the case. I know. Yeah. No. So, I have actually been waking up a little bit earlier. Puppy sitting has a big impact on it. Um, but usually, so this is the way it works, right? During the week, you obviously wake up relatively early because there's work, right? Right. But traditionally, I would stay up really late on a Friday and then sleep in Saturday. Do the same thing for Sunday, right? Um, but while puppy sitting, I still kind of can if I'm like, I will contribute nothing to morning walks. <laughs> but if I want to like not be a scumbag <laughs> and occasionally help out, then I need to be awake for it. So um, I do think that uh, that Jenny, my wife, takes more of the morning walks. Um, Pretty exclusively, but I, I, I want to be around to help out. And oftentimes just waking up also is um, if you're woken up early at a certain point, you're like, all right, let's just start the day. <laughs> right? So Yeah, like, you know, there's not as much value getting back from going back into bed, getting back into that whole swing of things versus just I'm awake and under the covers, but delaying the inevitable. Yeah. So it was 930 today because we knew the puppy was being dropped off, but breaking news i was gonna have a three day uh three days of puppy sitting and it has now been collapsed to 12 hours because <laughs> puppy was gonna be dropped off yesterday mm-hmm. uh change of plans we we're like we'll just drop the puppy off on the way through I'm like cool whatever um and then like pretty much pretty the the last development was like well we're actually just not gonna stay the night at the place so they're gonna come back pick up the puppy um and we're now at uh 33.3 Repeating, of course, percent puppy time from the original agreement. So I'm going to ask for a refund. I was going to say, do you feel bad about that? Do you want more <laughs> puppy time? I mean, it's it's both. I like I like the puppy. Puppy's adorable. Um, but yes, I mean, sleeping's also kind of nice. So, you know. So this begs the question, when are you going to get your own pet? Mm-hmm. And I say pet. Uh-huh. So I know you guys are leaning more towards a cat than a dog. Which yeah. Nobody's going to come hang out at your place. <laughs> That's fair. So, so many people have allergies, weirdly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if if a friend of the show, Ian, actually had moved down to the area, right, with, when given oh, multiple okay. opportunities, then, you know, potentially that could have had more of an impact. Because we were no, looking at, like... Put in the pum-pum-pum-pum sound pum, here. Pum, pum, pum. Um, I say multiple opportunities, but it's not like there was ever a house or an apartment or anything like that linked. It was more just like, 
hey, you want to move down here? He's like, ah, no. <laughs> like, okay. Um, but uh, that would probably have like slightly more of an impact. Who else is allergic to cats? Gennaro. Really? Our man Zemuch, yeah. I did not realize he's uh, cat allergic. Oh, yeah. That's almost... <laughs> like, the one Halloween party down at Justin and Rachel's, mm-hmm. uh, I think he came for, like, an hour with, like, a mask and then left, or, like, didn't come at all. Wow. Because, yeah, it's it's pretty bad for him, too. Mm. And We're I kinda just hit- have allergies, but, like, I can drug up and be there. Right. Right. Um, hmm. Interesting. Well, in either case, we're 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 thinking about getting some sort of pet. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to a dog, but the property is not. It's not super great for like an outside dog, right? Like, our front yard is on a hill, with no fence. The backyard does not have grass. <laughs> it's it's a it's a hill, mm-hmm. so like, outside pretty well out of the picture, um, and then. Would probably get uh, 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 animals is a little bit easier to take care of, I think, than mandatory walks like uh, at like at the hour on the hour for <laughs> you know morning and evening. But I will say most pets are not usually that time schedule based. Like our dogs growing up were just happy to have the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like if we reach into the leash drawer, which they're like, that's the one. I hear the noise. Um, they get very excited, be happy to go whenever. Oh yeah. But they understood that that was up to like, I don't know if they had no sense of time. They were that dumb or they're just like, <laughs> not until mom and dad say, um, right. whenever it happened, they're like, yeah, right. They'd go out and sniff and we go along the bike trail and whatnot. The other option we were considering at the, uh, at the apartment prior to getting a house was like, um, uh, some sort of hairless cat, which I still think would be great. I know you're oh. shaking. So for the listeners, Dave's shaking his head. But um, this was my wife's um, idea originally, and I think like a hairless cat and a sweater with a little hat, maybe like one of those ski mask type things. Freaking amazing! Perfect. I I don't like the idea of something that has hair having no hair <laughs> and being replaced with fake hair. That's weird mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, it also looks like a just like a chicken. Like a like a they chicken do kind of look like chickens, yeah. Um, what am I thinking of? A Siamese cat, something like that, yeah. It's not like, for clarity for the listeners, um, it's not that like you take a cat that has hair and you remove all of the hair. There are oh, just no, hairless breeds of cats, yes, yes, that do not grow, that do not grow hair, yeah. And those are uh, hypoallergenic, so people that are, that are people that are allergic to cat dander and things generally wouldn't be for them. Yeah, it's just it's all wrinkles. Mm-hmm. It's all wrinkles. Yeah, they, <laughs> there's plenty of indecent comparisons that could be made. But yeah, if you were to crinkle your forehead, there you go. That's what these cats look like. <laughs> Testicles. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's that's the only one. <laughs> I have a comb in my pocket. I didn't realize that. It's kind of funny. It's more funny because I'm wearing a bathrobe. Like, why would you have a comb in a bathrobe pocket? But. Hmm. I mean, I was going to ask, but I just figured it was maybe chilly downstairs. Mm-hmm. And you were just vibing on the weekend. Bathrobes are very comfortable. When we picked up, it's, it's probably been a couple of years now, but uh, we picked up a couple of bathrobes and it's just like around the house, 
perfect like freaking great weekend you just like throw on some uh, uh, a shirt and some shorts bathrobe balances it you've got like the uh, the option to like open or close the bathrobe more depending on how warm you are freaking hey great. hey whoa hey <laughs> again wearing clothes in the bathroom <laughs> not walking around nude i'm not hoping that one person listens like oh is jake exposing himself on the podcast <laughs> patreon stuff uh-huh yeah, that's the uh, that's members only. Um, or occasionally, if you are going to go out to get the mail, there's nothing better to receive, uh, you know, to, to get things from a mailbox than wearing a bathrobe. It's the most culturally appropriate thing to receive the mail with. So you go out, pick up the paper, sip your coffee, uh-huh. kind, of, kind of gesture towards the neighbor. Walk uh-huh. back up. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Wearing slippers, unshaved legs, just the whole thing. It's just perfect. How often it's are you America. Legs? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just wanted to clarify. <laughs> Wearing clothes under the bathrobe, unshaved legs. Like this is, it's a very specific picture um, that's burned into, uh, I don't know, like 70s through 90s American father uh, role, basically. But yeah. And then you I had to say American father for instead. A couple hours. I had to say American father instead of American dad because that's a specific thing. So we don't want to give Seth MacFarlane any promotion. No, he has enough TV shows and money. Hmm. Speaking of Seth, though, um, there's a couple of them. One of them is uh, we were talking about Mass Effect over the last couple days, and like Seth Green uh, voiced Joker. He was like the the ship pilot. Did you ever play Mass Effect? I think I, we've we talked about this specifically, this specific question. But every episode's a new episode. You're talking about Seth Green, who was in Austin Powers. Seth Green? Mm, am I not thinking? Is this not actually the guy's name? No, Seth Green, American actor. He's in a bunch of voice stuff. Uh, is robot he a chicken, small family guy. Yeah, yes, Austin Seth Green. Powers. Yes, I did Seth not. Green. I did not. He realize. also did the voice of Chris in a uh, Family Guy, Seth Green. Oh, he was in It, 1990, Scooby Doo, Two Monsters, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Okay, he's been a lot more than I realized, but multiple Austin Power movies. Yeah, that he's was uh, he's the son. He's You're right. Yeah, Doctor Evil uh, or Doctor Evil Son. Yeah. Yeah, Seth's been around. I didn't realize he was in video game voice acting though. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's Joker in Mass Effect, uh, in all of them actually. They they brought him back for every single one of the entries, but that was also a game that kind of like, I don't know. I guess I would say Seth Green has more star power than, um, uh, I can't remember her name, but uh, she was in Attack of the Show in G Four. Olivia Munn. Olivia <laughs> Olivia Munn. Yes, thank you. Apologies, Olivia. If My listening. pop culture stuff is weirdly nuanced. We're like, I can answer these questions. Then you ask me anything else. I'd be like, I ah, know. <laughs> uh-huh. But like, uh, she was also a recurring character in that series as a reporter who would be doing like, there was interviews with Commander Shepard. Okay. The, so she's uh, like on the civilian side of things. Yes. Uh, but she would be asking hard hitting questions like from the uh, human centric perspective. Like, why are you working with aliens and all this stuff? And, uh, the renegade 
the renegade option across the series was you could just get fed up with the interview and like backhand her, which I it, does, it sounds really bad when I'm describing it like this, but it was a different time uh, in video games. Um, yeah, if you're ever in a conversation with somebody and you don't like they, what they're saying, hit them, just hit, hit them, them with your hand. Well, this is Renegade Shepard. Renegade Shepard's not a good person um, necessarily. Uh, and like by the final game, if you had done all of this, she still tries to interview you, but she's taking like personal defense lessons and she'll actually like dodge the first swing. But there's like a renegade button mash follow up to follow up with like another another hit. It sounds so bad now that I'm describing it. Make Uh, sure you hit Olivia Munn. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, yeah, Hmm. there's really no making that sound better now that I've said it. At the time, it was just like, ha ha, bad shepherd. But now it's kind of like, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't even that it wasn't even a different time though, right? Like this is within the last ten years. Bobby Kotick probably had some influence on that game's design. That's, yeah. And EA was the one with uh that's that's the weird thing, right? He he actually I can't remember who the CEO of EA is. But he just calls up a rival CEO and he's like, Hey, if you're putting Olivia Munn in this, <laughs> like you have to have Commander Shepard like be a bad guy. Yeah. I mean, um, for what it's worth, it definitely makes the renegade option more of a renegade option. Like, I'm yes. playing the bad path of literally being a dick, but. Yeah. Who is. Wait, Jessica Chobot? Is that her name, actually? Wait, am I confused? Oh my gosh, I, that's the person. I can't see your screen, so I don't know. All right, I looked this up. It was probably Jessica Chobot. Why did I think this was Olivia Munn? I believe that entirely. I mean, she's in some stuff. She's cool. Yeah, this is one of those. This is one of those like they they look kind of similar, but not super similar. Um, hmm. Yeah, she still had the same background. I thought like she was with IGN and um some of these other groups, but. I didn't realize. Anyways, apologies to friend of the show, Jessica Chobot. <laughs> um, but yeah, Mass Effect was a game. I have no other, no, nothing else to say about it, though. I still have not actually ever checked it out. And yeah. I feel like I never will. It's one of those. It, it kind of like just passed me by. And then mm-hmm. I've heard enough tangentially, but like, I kind of get it, but I don't think it's for me type thing. Yeah. The first game is the least playable, and I think that they probably, I think, they tried to make it a little bit more playable for, like, the anniversary edition or whatever, the collector's edition that has all of them. But it's still, like, it was okay. You could kind of just, it's one of those games where, like, watching a story recap and then playing the rest in the series is probably the better play. Yeah, I feel like you don't need to experience everything firsthand. You can just kind of let it live somewhere else and then watch it. Like I was recently, I watched the Let's Play channel Oni Plays, Uh where it's like Chris O'Neill and friends doing just random video games sometimes. Uh, And they had a compilation of, hey, here's the series of a game called Harvester. Now, Harvester looks like a very old point and click where they seem to have some, some quote unquote pixelated video footage of like, if you remember like Mortal Kombat days, types of video footage of like, here's the people doing the actual animations. 
it's kind of like that for as far as detail, maybe a little bit better. Right. It's very old and dated and I would never put myself through it. But the game seems so fucking weird and out there. And I'm like, oh, I would definitely watch a playthrough of this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know um, not that long ago you linked me and I think I saw it. I think it I don't get pop ups for a lot of YouTube combat content, but I do usually get like Mandalore stuff. Yeah, it fits into that kind of game, right? Like he plays a lot of games where I'm like, I am so glad that I've never played this, um, <laughs> right? Or if I have no interest in playing it now, you know, I would say. Um, but you can still. It's almost like a spark notes for a book that's not good. Like you can make it entertaining in the spark notes, but that doesn't mean you should go back and like read the book that's not good, right? So. Right. Good reviews should have enough context in there for you to be able to understand and appreciate uh, the jokes being made at its expense Mm -hmm. versus the ones that are specifically for, if you read the entire thing, here's this one thing. Okay. Right. That's not why people are checking that out ever. It's a, hey, this is relevant to my interests, but I don't want to sink the time. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I would just read the goddamn book. And that's, that's not me. Have you read anything recently? Uh, the last thing I read was Terry Pratchett's Color of Magic um, okay. a month or two back. I'm always tempted to like pick up a, a Sanderson book because I hear great mm. things from everybody who I've ever talked to. Yeah. I just, I get so much FOMO or activity FOMO. I'm like, I'm sitting here and reading. I can't listen to music and watch something and uh-huh. play a game and cook something. Like, it's, How do you feel about audiobooks? Um, I would do it if I was doing something else. Like if I had to drive somewhere for a bit, oh yeah, I could throw mm-hmm. on an audiobook because we yeah. did that when I was growing up for like longer trips. Or if I was doing like some chores around the house, I'd definitely put in my headphones like, oh, I'm going to do some dishes. I'll clean up a bit. Meanwhile, having that audio backing. Yeah. There was, um, if you're particularly interested in Sanderson, because I, I get it, right? Like, especially once an author becomes very prolific and Sanderson's been writing for a long time, but he also writes at like a ridiculous pace. Like he publishes like three books a year, usually not, not in the same series, but like (laughs) three novels and maybe some novellas like in the same year. Like that's not actually even wrong. Uh, He writes like crazy. Um, When George RR Martin was actually like, when people were even still asking the question of whether Game of Thrones or, or Song of Ice and Fire would ever be finished, uh, one of the names that was kind of like, uh, you know, on the wind was like, oh, well, maybe uh, Brandon Sanderson would take this over. And Brandon was just like, nah. <laughs> He's like, uh, I, do, I do not write like George. Um, we have different themes and uh, it just it wouldn't work, basically. They're like, dang, that was the one chance. All right, series never gonna finish, right? <laughs> um, but how do you, I? Oh, sorry, go ahead. I say, how do you feel about? You're gonna have to provide me pro, ah, provide me the specifics of what the exact scenario was. Uh-huh. But I thought there was somebody else who, and maybe this was Sanderson related, somebody yeah. else who had a book series. Mm-hmm. They passed away, and somebody else continued their work. And kind of finished it out. How do you feel about that as a concept? Like, let's say one of us died. 
or both of us died. The other person finishes like, the podcast. <laughs> or if like two other people just came in, they're like, hey, we're going to be continuing on the Soapstone podcast legacy. Uh-huh. How do you feel about that transition of, I guess, a legacy of art to some mm-hmm. medium, which I would say writing is just being passed off to somebody else? Yeah, um, I think the particular example you might be thinking of is um, uh, Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series. He died before he okay, completed yeah. it. His wife did reach out and brought Brandon Sanderson in to finish, I think, the last two books. Um, but it's... hmm. I think talking about it for anything that I do, I would instill a lot less reverence <laughs> than, you know, like the most extreme case you could go to is like J.R.R. Tolkien, right? Like that guy lived and breathed his own world. Like he is basically the Iluvatar or the god of uh, Lord of the Rings um, as far as est- establishing canonicity and all of this. So the idea of like other people coming in and kind of like making some stuff up. You can literally see that we talked about the ring of power reviews um, for people who wanted to like fit in, like to make, tell their own stories or tell stories that are kind of like canon adjacent. Mm -hmm. It's a whole big thing. I don't think that like anything I've done carries that weight. Right. Even if we're talking about the podcast, which we've done, you know, for a couple of years now, um, several, actually a couple doesn't really say anymore. Um, it would be probably a little bit weird if other people came in and like took it over. But I think a lot of that comes from a perspective of like, I don't know what our mission statement is. <laughs> right. Oh, we, we don't have one for sure. Exactly. So, so like, it's almost like, uh, okay, this is going to sound very derivative, I guess, but like someone's just doing a completely mindless thing and they can no longer do that completely mindless thing. So another group came in and were like, we will do the mindless thing, right? Like, it's not, I don't know. I think I think that, like, it's beneficial for us if this is from the perspective of our friends enjoy the podcast and the people who are listening now enjoy the podcast and others are like, hey, I want to keep making uh, relatable content or things that, you know, they want to hear, then I would feel pretty honored. You know, that would be, like, awesome. That would be my if I if I'm gonna like lend us a little bit of credit and lend the listeners credit for listening for a reason, then yeah, I think continuing would be fine. I'd also be fine if it stopped. I come at it from the perspective of even though it is kind of like we don't have an overall goal, we don't have like an episode to episode thing. I mean, we have like loose plans for stuff, but it's not a hey, we got to get this done. We have to talk about this. We got to do X, Y, and Z. It's very off the cuff if the awkward pauses were never evidence enough. But I feel like anything we talk about and how we talk about it is very much us. If we replaced one of us, just one of us, uh-huh. dynamic would be wildly fucking different. Oh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. like I'm very slow and mild-mannered comparatively, and you're more... Uh, boisterous is not the right word um you can speak gregarious in... i'm friendly yes. no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey greg um, <laughs> you you speak to things in more detail you have more passion about certain things uh, and you can like 
go off. And so there's like kind of like a balance in place to a degree. Right. Um, and I feel like, especially if you replace both of us, I feel like I'm making a case like, don't replace us. Uh, <laughs> right. admin this. Yeah. But I feel like it would be a different thing. It could still be under the same mm-hmm. name technically, but I don't think it would be the same thing at all. Yeah. So I feel like almost if you're ever going to transition something like that, it can still be in the same family to a degree, mm-hmm. but it's never going to be the same. So I feel like in the case of like a written work, unless like they were best friends the whole time and were always co-writing, mm-hmm. I don't know how you could just pass it off to somebody else. Even if it was like, hey, I figured out kind of roughly what their style is to kind of imitate that. I feel like it's it's lost to a degree. So I'd almost rather just yeah. try and say, hey, new thing. I think new thing is pretty much always safer. Like there's almost a negative public perception for people taking something over. Even think about like Doctor Who for a second, right? Like they've replaced the doctor many times and it's always a big hubbub, right? It's, it's a like, woman. Uh, yes, right. <laughs> but yeah, she's she's a great fucking actress. She kicks ass. <laughs> yeah. Um and that's kind of a very particular case, but like it is definitely easier to say like whether you take on the same name, whether you take a new name, you say like we looked at the content that already existed. This is what it looked like they were trying to accomplish. So this is what goes back to, you know, providing content for friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to continue in the spirit of that. As long as you capture that core, that's the important thing. Um, like it can be really difficult to continue something, continuing like the literary example and going back to the one you started with. When uh, Robert Jordan died, he had notes for the final books. And that was basically like set in stone. um gospel essentially for brandon who came in to finish the series because he grew up reading wheel of time right so like okay changing this final vision would be unthinkable but the complication was there wasn't justification or explanation for how all of these plot points would come together um and without spoiling anything i'm not going to spoil the end of like a 13 novel series um things get kind of really weird at the end And there were some interviews and Brandon was like, you know, more or less like uh, he wanted to be absolutely true to what was on the page and not change things to make it make more sense to him from that place of reverence. Um, And I think that can almost be a double edged sword, right? Because Brandon's actually a really good author. And I know that if he would have changed some of those things in that last page, it would have made more sense for the reader. Yeah, exactly. So I think if someone ever took over our, our podcast um, or, you know, made a tribute podcast, uh, which is this is a pipe dream, um, they, they they should put their own twist on it. Right. I wouldn't want it to be just the necromancy of the soapstone. Right. Yeah, there's always like a fine line between homage, mm-hmm. uh, shallow copy French. Omelette du homage. <laughs> I think that means I love you. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's very weird to try and capture like the spirit of something because with any type of medium, you're always inferring or assuming to a point uh, what the person intended originally with that, unless they come out and say specifically, "Hey, it's this." Because anytime you see like 
a work of art, you're like, oh, this is what the person was thinking about or based on what's going on in their life or what was historically recorded. Sure, maybe. But right. also could have just been like, nah, I want to do this for shits and gigs. You don't really know at the end of the day. Um, so trying to like emulate that is always difficult unless you're really immersed in it. So it sounds like for Sanderson, growing mm. up with uh, Wheel of Time yeah, or that guy's work, it, it helps. Similar mm-hmm. to like if you've been following somebody's YouTube career for a very long time, like you know their style, right? Thing you could definitely at least carry it on in a similar direction. It just feels so weird to ever reanimate things. Yeah, <laughs> not in Diablo two though. But <laughs> love Necromancer class, but or it was added to three. Technically, it was added to three. I'll definitely play that one again. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would, I would, more I just, time in two. I would rather let things die, though. Mm-hmm. Like there, I, there's a term for this. I'm not gonna think what it is. I guess it's the ephemeral nature of things to let them exist for a time, mm-hmm. and then pass away, mm-hmm. instead of just recycling it constantly. Like it's cool that we had music from the 1930s that like now exists today and has been kind of brought back in a different style with like electro swing yeah, and really cool thing. Um, and they've even tried to like do some new music versus just like, Hey, we're updating this thing from 70 years ago. Um, this is recorded in the two thousands, by the way. And mm-hmm. but I don't know. It's, it's like with people in general, right? Mm-hmm. If you know somebody that's who they are, their their life, their accomplishments, uh, their interactions, their failures. Let that be its own one thing, mm-hmm. and then when they die, they die. Like you can remember them, but don't try and be them. Don't try and like resurrect them specifically because <laughs> they're their own unique thing, right? Right. Um, I feel like I'm just figuring out my own philosophy on life. <laughs> <laughs> huh? yeah. That's fair. Uh-huh. I mean. Well, no, I'm paying, I'm paying attention. I, like the way you're describing it is funny because it sounds like a very direct critique over like, should there be a two pack hologram or should there be a, um, you know, Darth Vader uh, AI generated voice line or, you know, like it's something that's started happening in movies really is like people's likenesses are actually used even after they're passing. Um, Star Wars is very prominent for that. Yeah, because um, it was um, one of the. I forget who it was, but he was in the Carrie like, Fisher the Morrison movie. I think it was also. I think one Carrie of them. Fisher. She might have had some scenes. I was thinking of one of like the chancellors mm-hmm. in one of the more recent movies. That guy had definitely died because uh, his character was old in the 1970s movie. Yeah, and then they're like, "Oh, he's here," and it looked pretty goddamn similar. But I'm like, that is uncanny. Uh huh. Because um, I feel like they could have just cast somebody else and been like, "Listen, that guy's dead." Mm. Mm-hmm. Or just call in via radio, right? Like, <laughs> right? It could just be, it could just be audio, and then have somebody who sounds like him. I don't know. It seems weird. Likeness, I think, crosses a stranger threshold to me than like a sound alike or something like that, right? Like, we know that Mickey Mouse died at some point, but like when I see him back up there on the screen, I'm just like, that's not the original Mickey. This one's not racist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
But I mean, like that is at least in that context, it's a a character, so you can technically change the backing person to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes, like growing up as a kid, I didn't notice when they would do that for certain characters. I right. know we've talked about it on the podcast before. Um, Adventures in Odyssey is like an old Christian based, I guess, radio just, show. Uh, yeah, radio show, which you could get mm-hmm. like cassette tapes of. And boy, boy, howdy, did we have almost all of them. Uh-huh. It was like a nice Christian enough... book distributors. Yeah, CBD. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still, I still follow CBD to a degree. Um, uh-huh. But it was a nice enough thing uh, to follow and like listen to the characters. But at some point, um, the voice of Mr. Whitaker or Wit mm-hmm. for short, John Avery Whitaker, John Avery Whitaker passed away. At yeah. some point, um, I don't remember exactly when, but if you go back and listen, you can probably find the cutoff of where it is two different people. Yeah, but it wasn't like a week to week thing. You had to like order these. So, like for me as a kid, it was a seamless transition of oh, I had no idea until much later. I looked into it. Yeah, it's got to be weird for those people. Right? <laughs> the person who died. <laughs> well, I mean. Just to think about it, not not like once they're dead. Once they're dead, I assume that most of the complaints have been resolved. But like leading up to it, right? Particularly for people that in, inhabit a specific character, um, or they become known for like one specific character and they embrace it. So think about someone else stepping in and being that character, because that's almost like. Well, I don't want to say it's more personal than someone taking over for an author, because to an author, that's probably very personal, right? Um, but it's easier for me to comprehend, because it's almost like identity theft, if thought about negatively, right? I mean, I have a perfect example for us to talk about this. Sure. Metal Gear Solid, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Voice David of Snake Hater. has been David Hater many years, many years. He's the classic one. Um. I still remember like the convention thing of like Ego Raptor talking to him at a panel and trying to get him to say a thing and him just being elated mm-hmm. uh, in that interaction. But I think in five or a recent game, it was it was five. I'm blanking on his name, but it's the guy from 24. I feel like I should know who that actor is. That's all right. We're looking it up to find Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, you've already found it, yeah. That was, that was just tucked away in the brain. Uh-huh. Um, You're like, what was my last name? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but like, he does a good enough job. Like, It fits the character for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure there are some other examples I can't think of at the moment where I very much personally identify the character as the person who's voicing them mm-hmm. and their personality and their spin and their take on it. Or if yeah. it was somebody else, I'd be like, yo, what the fuck? So we haven't done an episode on Phantom Pain, (laughs) but I was reading about this actually recently. It's just kind of funny that you brought it up. Um, And there's still like there's still people filling comment threads on like the voice actor changed and how it may or may not have been related to anything else going in the game. And it's like. I'm being very, very vague to avoid any potential even chance of spoilers. But like, um, it just, it's not that, <laughs> right? Like sometimes people just replace voice actors. Um, 
and it's it's weird to think about because you know just like you as a kid right like you you see the character you see the video game character so it's actually much easier to replace the voice behind the character as long as someone sounds close enough which is one of the reasons that like voice actors have struggled to get in to like um into guilds and things like that to make sure that they have representation and that they're being compensated fairly and things like that because they don't get the same at least traditionally they don't get the same amount of uh coverage or protections that like full actors would get i'm gonna take like a two second soapbox uh that's 100 percent true i mean you can look up anything for voice actors we could even talk about the fucking charles martinet shit for the upcoming mario movie mm-hmm like they're like, hey, let's get Chris Pratt because he's famous, uh-huh. and then Charles Martinet, who's been doing the voice of Mario for fucking decades, um, he's like, he might be like a side voice in it type thing, right? And it's like, what the fuck? Um, I hope he's been paid out the butt because his character that he essentially brought to life—that's that's been him the whole time, right? Yeah. So he he's compensated Mario. fairly for that. Um, but from a lot of what I hear regarding voice actors, that's not often the case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really desperate out there. That's where Critical Role came from. They're like, hey, our best bet is to make a completely different product. And it's just going to be us playing D&D. <laughs> <laughs> so they didn't want to do that. That was forced. That was financial difficulties. Yeah, um, he's like, listen, I'm voicing this McCree character, as he's currently called. Um mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much they're going to pay me for this. I got to find some other outlets and avenues. Uh huh. Yeah, that's the thing you don't hear about. They actually switched voice actors when they renamed him to Cassidy. It's just like, whew. I'm just kidding. Just, just uh, before that actually escapes as <laughs> an actual rumor, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, it happens very, very often. And um, did you hear about the? Uh, we're talking about random crap at this point, but like, did you hear about? Um, I know what you're going to say Bayonetta. Bayonetta, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to find uh, the Bayonetta tweet cover for me. So for context, I think it's Helena Carter was the original voice of Bayonetta for games one and two. And then for Bayonetta three, um, they're currently contractually going to be bringing in. I forget the voice actress's name, uh, but she is in Overwatch as I think Symmetra or somebody else. Mm -hmm. Uh, But she's a a very prolific voice actor as well, or voice actress. Um, but this is all around some dispute as far as financial compensation for the role. Right. I've loosely followed it. Um, there seems to be some miscommunication or confusion around the first message that Helena Carter put out asking people to boycott the game mm-hmm. um, because she was being offered unfair wages for her time. Yeah, there was... Um... It's just that I, I just now realized there's multiple controversies ongoing for Bayonetta. But yeah, the one you're describing, I remember. I think they offered her something like $2,000 in total. Um, and I think the popular consensus was uh, they probably had an agreement where they had to allow her to reprise her role via contract. And this was the way out of it. They were just like, we're going to lowball you so possibly low that there's no way that you would accept this offer so that we can go with someone else. So that is the first part of what I heard. Mm -hmm. Um, But there was some follow-up and I'm just getting this loosely from Moist Critical who followed it more in depth than I did. 
mm-hmm. and I'm just passing that through word of mouth. Um, but basically, the rate that was offered apparently is uh, pretty decent for what it would have been as far as time. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think overall that they did want to get somebody else in. Um, but like the initial thing that she put out was not the most clear as far as, oh, they're hard having me at two or four thousand dollars type thing. Yeah. But that is kind of like when I opened the initial question around the whole passing off onus of something or like this is my legacy, my character. I was thinking of Helena Carter and that whole thing going on in the back of my mind at the same time. Yeah, I'm going like, to try to... Sorry, go ahead. Imagine like putting your life's... I don't say life's work, but like you have like a very important job and a role and like people know you for that and you go to conventions you're like, hey, can you sign this as a character? Could I get like a little voice thing for if people call my voicemail as this character? Like you are the character, you represent the character. You brought the character to life. Again, talking like Charles Martinet. And then someone's like, oh, but we're, we got this person now. Oh, we got a Chris Pratt. Like, I would be, I'd be sad personally if I was in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, it's kind of a crappy situation. Um, I get why people, (laughs) a lot of people at the company probably don't want it to all explode and become public and they would rather it just fade quietly into into silence but it doesn't always work that way right like the internet some... exists now i don't think that's ever an option again <laughs> uh-huh it doesn't happen as much if you fart too loudly in your neighbors here there'll be a twitter controversy about it yeah so the other one the other the controversy i was originally thinking of and i guess it didn't bl- blow up as much as i thought it had but i did see an article or two about it was someone tweeted helena taylor and was like um Oh, this is actually really old. Never mind. I don't care. Um, <laughs> and Jake's like, oh, 2012. No, no. It's it, well, 2019. Okay. So that was before all of this, I guess. Um, but yeah, they basically, someone was like, hey, would would you just say trans rights? Which is kind of like a weird thing to ask someone to say because it's not really proclaiming anything. That's just like two words, I guess. I, I feel like whatever it is will be used out of context. Yes. Yeah. It was just like the question was, would Bayonetta say trans rights? And the response from Helena Taylor was, forgive me. I believe in gentle female power, not saber rattling. Gentle female power is, uh, those are interesting words there. I stand with anyone on the side of the angels, be they rich or poor, Jew or Muslim, black or white, a Trump supporter or a Sanders supporter, Brexiteer or a Remainer. Too much anger and division. Um, and yeah, that's not really a great response. It's like, would you do you want do you, do you support this group? And it's like, why can't we all get along? So, <laughs> why can't we be gentle female persons? <laughs> so do you remember the other day we were doing like some pre-wedding stuff? We uh-huh. drive around the car and like this exact conversation came up as far as like coexist as a uh-huh. bumper sticker. It's great in theory as far as like be tolerant to all, but at some point you need to be intolerant of people being shit. Yes. So, like, you do have to take a side somewhere in the stand. I think a lot of people just don't want to be public about it because, Uh yeah, it sucks to argue and disagree and have that contention and discomfort. 
But at the same time, like if you have like a really shitty viewpoint, I either want to a discuss it with you and figure out why that is. And if we can maybe change your mind or maybe yeah. you can elucidate me as to why Jews are shit. Right. Maybe I'll learn something. Right. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> learn something about yourself. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm an asshole. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry about everything I said. You're right, sir. Um, uh huh. Or like, I need to like beat the shit out of you and cut you out of my life. Like, right. Probably just the second one, but yeah. <laughs> we don't condone physical violence <laughs> if people disagree with you. <laughs> Unless, are you thinking of the punch of fascist? Is that is that where this is going? Yeah, I'm trying to tie this back into Mass Effect somehow. Okay, um, yeah. But yeah, sometimes like you can't get through to people with words. I'm not saying you uh-huh. should ever assault people who disagree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but if somebody was saying like some heinous shit, like like blatantly racist or sexist mm-hmm. i would start with words but at a point especially if i had not been entirely sober i mm-hmm. could see some hands being thrown to like get the right. point across like hey you cannot behave this way yeah i think i think the 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 line i would put on it is like is someone else being attacked or harassed or something like that like is this in defense of someone else um but i it's it's very contentious where the line for physical altercation should come in uh, yeah it, it should always be discussion of ideas a further down the line option yeah instead of like what and then just immediately go into it uh-huh right i think the thing about this that stood out to me though is like it's really clear what like the correct response is if someone on twitter says like would bayonetta say trans rights that's a really weird question but you could just respond with like i support rights for trans persons boom done (laughs) but if you find yourself in the scenario where you're like ah this is gonna take like eight paragraphs maybe like your super articulated point is just a bunch of word salad because you don't support trans persons right like if if you think that uh like trans persons having rights like people actually having rights is a bad thing um the gentlest way perhaps you could talk about it is to just say that that's saber rattling Right. <laughs> You're like, ah, dang, rattle those sabers until, you know, people are treated like human beings. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's it was really dumb. Uh, but I didn't realize that this the tweet from Helena Taylor was from 2019. So. Hmm. Maybe also, she's I'm changed. not sure if I've been saying <laughs> Helena Taylor or Helena Carter. If at any eh. point I said Helena Carter, my brain conflated it with Helena Bottom Carter. Hmm. I don't know these people. There's a lot of names. There's like seven, seven, seven trillion of them. It's hard to keep track. It's like eight trillion now, actually. We should get rid of some of the Helenas. There's too many. <laughs> yeah. Too many Helenas do I know. Uh-huh. Specifically yeah. from like popular actress people. Yeah. Popular name. Um, but yeah, Bayonetta. Looks like it's shaping up to be a good game. We'll see where it goes. Um. <laughs> I don't really have a segue off of that. I I'm always interested in Bayonetta. Like it seems like a cool concept for a game, but I'm not ever a multi-hit combo type person. Uh-huh. Similar to how I never really got into Devil May Cry. Still think it's interesting enough. Yeah, you played uh, five though, didn't you? Briefly. Hmm. I think you got me five. You're like, yeah, oh, check it out. Yeah. And then I was like, eh. <laughs> I had more fun with it than Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. 
but not much. That, that's that's um, pretty difficult. The game to do. is very pretty. The game is very fun if you like that type of thing. But just for uh-huh. me, I did I did not have that investment. You write one of the characters rides in and rides in on a motorcycle that then splits in half into two chainsaw swords with tires that he then fights with. How can it not be a game of the year? It's right there. It's right there. See, for me, I'm like, oh, I'll watch a YouTube video of somebody playing that and do like a meme compilation. Uh huh. And I'm like, yes, good. I will say, I didn't go back to the game after I beat it. I think it's, I think it's great. I think it's super fun. But I mean, like, yeah, it's also on that list of games that I didn't go back to. So, um, Certain it was good for a just, single pass for me. Just one-offs, you know. Mm-hmm. Whether that be like relationships, meals, video games, and I was just like. Yeah, that was okay. And then hmm. maybe not maybe not go back. Next serving, please. I will I will take my next entree. <laughs> <laughs> um like I've yeah. definitely tried some games or like even like played through and like that was a good one playthrough thing, but it doesn't have the replayability value. Oh yeah. One shot is a bad example, but it does fall under that as well. I mean replayability replayability value is something that I feel like benefits people who don't have access to a wide range of games. Then there's no not casting dispersions upon any of those people, right? There was a point in my life where I couldn't really play um, all the games that I wanted to be able to. Um, but there are just so many games, and we've been gaming for literally decades at this point. And I think at this point. We can try something for the novelty and see if it sticks or not, but it actually is a pretty high bar to clear to join the list of games that people play frequently, right? Like, it's hard to... Like, we we critique it greatly, but it's hard to dethrone a game that... um, Overwatch, for instance, right? Like, people are playing it, right? Um, And maybe they're playing it in different ways, maybe we're critiquing it in different ways, but, like, it's what people are playing and maybe it's what people are playing because it's what people are playing in a way, right? There's almost some self perpetuation there. Um, but it takes a, a, a high bar for me to be like, Oh, I'm not going to play destiny. I'm going to replay cult of the lamb. For instance, I think it was a great game. I really enjoyed it. I'm not going to spend some of my 24 hours per day, putting more time into it. Right. Yeah. I mean, in that, in that case, it doesn't have the same type of end game that like Destiny does. Where with Destiny, like you can always grind out something. There's uh-huh. always more stuff to do. And Cult of the Lamb is like, hey, you've done this. At a point, you're kind of just done. So unless right. like you really love the active gameplay of it, which you could be like continue to play, mm-hmm. you're not gaining anything out of it. You're not progressing in the game, so to speak. So the story's already done. So it just comes down to do you want to keep doing this same gameplay? Right. And it's not novel enough, I would say, to say, oh, definitely. Whereas, like, Hades is designed around every run is fresh. You can technically keep progressing into harder and harder bullshit to push Mm -hmm. yourself. Um, The story part is done at a point, but, like, you still have the character interactions. It still feels like the world is alive, in a sense, every time you come back, versus... uh, Every time you re-log in, you just get the end credits. You're like, oh, I'll just do another one quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So I understand why people don't uh, sometimes don't finish games. I was talking with um, uh, Nate, who was a friend of the show and did come on for an episode at one point um, about games that he's been playing recently. And he plays games entirely differently to the way I do. He mentioned that he'll play games. He'll play one game for like an hour and a half or maybe two hours and then be like, oh, I'm going to try something else and then switch over to a different game for like an hour and a half or two hours or whatever. Um, And that's how he consumes games throughout the evening. He doesn't sit down for a one block like I'm just going to play Dota for five hours. Mm -hmm. He literally will switch between not even just multiplayer, single player games. And this is incomprehensible to me. Like, I don't understand how you can play some of Witcher 3 and then switch to, you know, a different single player game. Like, I don't I don't get it. Yeah, that's some sociopathic behavior. <laughs> I'm going to condemn the fuck out of that. It's like if I'm hopping on to do multiplayer stuff, I'm like, OK, I have enough social bandwidth. I'm going to be social and play this game with people. And usually uh-huh. for a bit, like at least two to three hours, I think. After a point, I'd be like, hey, it's fun. Might go off, do something else. Or if I want to do single player stuff, I'm like, oh, like Dark Souls or Elden Ring. I mean, I could play that around other people because it is single player. I could just be online, but like I want to be immersed to a degree. So I need to set aside some time, but I could not do it for like just, oh, I'll just play for like an hour Uh and then switch to multiplayer and then switch back to that. No, that's insane. Like I need, I need to block it out a little bit more because I want the immersion or the time invested in either case. Right. Like, that's a Walmart demo while your parents are shopping. That's what that is. Yes. <laughs> right? That's <laughs> just crazy. Yeah. There's there's also, like, the context switching overhead. Like, if I switch mm-hmm. between games, like, if I'm playing a lot of Destiny 2, I'm like, okay, uh, point and click, point and click. And I switch to, like, Dota 2 or, like, Elden Ring. I'm like, ah, this is, di- uh-huh. this is different. And it, it takes like a bit of like uh, etch a sketching your brain, shake it clear, you gotta redraw some of these lines. This is how this controls and operates, right? For me, it was StarCraft into Overwatch. I'd be playing like StarCraft co-op matches and it's like all the all the macro and the micro and all this stuff. And then you switch into a first person shooter and none of those synapses map properly. Nothing works, right? Like the game is now 3D you're not controlling multiple units. It's all timing and reflexes and stuff. And you're like, I, I'm not here. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, a lot of variety. So you can do whatever you want there, but yeah, I don't want to judge. I don't, I, I want to emphasize. I'm not judging people who jump between games like that. It's just, I'm outside of that experience and I'm looking in and I don't understand it. <laughs> And I will stay with the opinion, the comedic opinion of you're wrong and I do judge you. Okay, that's fair. You should change your ways. <laughs> uh-huh. Um. That's why I like, I like following fighters to a degree. Because mm-hmm. like, oh, it makes sense as far as how things are mapped. Usually controller based, left and right. It's easier for me to like play a series of fighters with people on like a given day. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was talking with um, Dan not too long not too long ago. He's uh, streaming Guilty Gear 
in in Discord. Mm-hmm. And like that's the type of game that I can respect and I respect people who can play traditional fighters. Um and I know that you used to and you don't anymore, so you get some like residual respect there, Dave. Um but uh I absolutely freaking cannot like it's not even that I have tried and failed. It's more that like there's such a there's such a wall to like even starting for me that I, I don't know how one would begin. Right? Like I don't So know. you say that, but you've been playing so many years of Smash that I think you've you've built up this false wall for yourself. Right. And if we did play something not like DBZ Fighter Z, because mm-hmm. holy fuck, am I too old to process anything that's happening? But if we like played Mortal Kombat, uh, what like 15, 16 mm-hmm. billion at this point, if we played that semi regularly, I think you'd be like, okay, yeah. You at least then maybe we could get some good net code, right? <laughs> Instead of continuing to play Smash, fucking Nintendo. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think they've ever released Mortal Kombat for PlayStation, so nothing that can be done there. Yeah, hopefully they hopefully they do someday. <laughs> so now it's just stuck on the Switch, I guess. <laughs> that Nintendo exclusive. They had Mario, they had Yoshi, uh, they had Donkey Kong, and they had Sub Zero, and those were the really the core that the Nintendo fandom was based off of. Yeah. yeah, they all have unique attacks. You know, Yoshi Yoshi goes for the egg or the spike. Mario has fireballs. DK punches and eats bananas and Sub-Zero rips out people's spines. It's all very family friendly and good. I would legitimately enjoy somebody's take on like a, hey, we took the Smash characters and put them into a 2D fighter, but made it as gritty as Mortal Kombat. <laughs> it's, it's just Smash Bros, but it's like a death island. It's just, uh, what was it? Death Race or something like that. One of those. Um, I can't remember the one where it was an island. I guess I mean, Hunger Mo- Games is what was Mortal that? Kombat itself. That championship did happen on an island. Oh, okay. For what like Mortal Kombat, if <laughs> 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 we could find a comparison point. I just love oh, the yeah. idea of like Mario coming up, walking to one side. Uh-huh. And he's like, "My brother Luigi." <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> DK comes up from the other side and just goes, starts banging, just going monkey noises. I can't do. Uh huh. Um, no, it'd be good. I'm, I I like the idea of now that I'm on the Hunger Games thing that like there's the cornucopia in the middle and like Mario and Luigi immediately make a truce, not an alliance. It's a truce until everybody else are dead. <laughs> then they'll turn on each other. <laughs> oh. But yeah, tips down his hat sulkily. I knew it would come to this. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But. Until then, Smash Bros. is pretty good. We'll see if they ever make any more of them. I would be, I, I think we talked about it, but I'd be glad if they didn't. Or not glad. I'd be happy, I think, still if Ultimate was the last one. Because what else do I want? Oh, Netcode, but I'm not going to get that. So, If they made an actual good successor, still like in Smash, mm-hmm. I'd be open to it. But I don't feel like they need to. I feel like it's a good place where it's at. Even fucking Melee, which I think is a trash game as far as how it all interacts <laughs> and operates. It's it's not for me. It's very old and weird. Um, uh-huh. Still, like, it gets so much play. 
and it hasn't oh, been yeah. forever. So I feel like it's good where it's at probably. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't think there's there's a short list of things that I would want them to actually change in a new Smash. And none of the things that are on the list they would actually do. Right. Like netcode is just up there at the top and it would never be done. No. Nintendo's like um, fixing their shit, so Nope. But if you guys like fixing stuff, um hmm. How do I turn this into a topic? Um, if you have suggestions about how you would change games that we've talked about or games that you've played recently, you're like, man, I sure do enjoy Crusader Kings, but there's just too much dang incest. You can be like, hey, let's suggest a change. We're not going to put that in the game anymore. That's a perfect example. Send that one in or your own ideas to soapstonepodcast at gmail.com. Or you can join the discussion on Facebook where you probably should self-censor some of those suggestions and not go with the one I just described um, for the good of the platform at facebook.com slash soapstone podcast. And as always, we'll see you in the next one. Have a good day. <laughs>